Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with David Ricciardi, President and CEO of Proximo, an information services company specialising in big data, which David founded in 1997. With over 30 years of experience in building, managing and utilising big databases for companies like Mercedes-Benz, L'Oreal and Time Warner, and now with a new UK-based subsidiary open for business, David and Proximo are bona fide industry heavyweights. Here's more about what makes David tick and how he got to where he is today. David, how did you end up? doing what you're doing? Oh, that's a that's a good question. As I uh, usually tell people, I was uh, too young and stupid to know what I was getting myself no, into. <laughs> but uh, it was like most, you know, business owners, you know, when you, you're doing something, I was a programmer, I was in computer science, yeah. you know, dealt with data. And, you know, I figured, well, I do this for somebody else, I can do it for myself. And that's kind of where it started. I had one business partner back then, and we were both looking at starting companies, and we decided to do that together. And, and that's the, that's it. But you you realize you know how to do what it is you do, but you don't know how to do everything around running a business. And then you begin a journey of of that. Oh, you know, payroll. Discovery. Oh, taxes, oh finances. Yes. Oh, marketing. Oh, sales. Hiring. <laughs> right, hiring. Oh, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so... And you're someone, from the brief time we've known each other, you're someone who does like to get the details right and understand it yourself, would you say? To, to the level I need to know something, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you know, you're entering now the wonderful UK and it's yes. like, you know, when, mm-hmm. whenever you enter a new country, I'd love to tell people it's going to be simple, but it's just like, yeah, there's a whole heap of stuff to get your head around. There is, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and your, your inspiration at the time for starting the business was, I could do this myself, I'd be my own boss, was it? Or was it about, I could earn more money or? I No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think it was either of those things. You know, I think it was, it was really looking at it and saying, this is something that, you know, I can build that would then be my own and we can do what we want to do. We can do interesting, you know, interesting things. Yes. I can pick and choose I was, what I do. Right, exactly. And I did coding. I did that for many years, even after we started the 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 company, I haven't probably touched any code in ten years now. But um, but I, I actually continued to you know work in the business on client accounts for for a number of years. But we got the we felt like we could have the opportunity to kind of choose our direction rather than just kind of do what somebody else said. Well, this is the account you're going to work on, and now you're doing this. It's a little bit more complicated than that in hindsight, you know, to do it. But you eventually can get it around to where you're doing the types of work that you want to be doing. And what's your long-term ambition for for your business now? Right. I think, uh, well, you know, I'm not getting any younger, so the the audience can't really see the grays in my beard here. Few and far between. (laughs) That's very very generous of you, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we're we're really looking at, you know, know, maturing the business to the uh, point where, you know, I see it being, you know, completely self-sufficient efficient on its own and we're we're self-sufficient now but I still do a lot of 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 work a lot of business development so it's a matter of taking young leaders and you know and and enabling them giving one them what they need so that we can continue to operate without me looking at things each and every Letting go. day are so, you good at that kind of delegation i i've gotten much better at it yes i go back 15, 20 years ago, I wasn't as good at it. Now I I can, but it, it comes down to making sure you've got the right team, you've got the right people, and and having that level of trust, and and that's you know. But, but I think I'm in that that spot now. So 
it's such a sort of difficult push and pull, isn't it? The kind of like, they're not quite ready to do it, but if I don't let them do it, they'll never learn. They'll never but when they it, learn, right? they're going to cock it up. And then, and then this client's really important. They can't cock this one up. Well, they're going to have to cock this. You just sort of like, you just, you know, the best things that happen in a way is you suddenly get sick for two weeks. I mean, that's yeah. a horrible example. And they just, they just sink or swim, you know, themselves. Part of it is about your desire in a way. Yeah, because, your own arrogance. You know, no, but also if if you get to a point in your life where you're like, I don't want to be doing this every day. I want to step back a bit and have a more strategic role and not be doing the day-to-day, then you have to give it to somebody else. Right, right. You know, but until you get yeah. to that point where you're like, I've had enough, I need somebody else to do it. Right. If but, you're a control freak, you're not going to give it up. And Well, if you're a control freak, right, you're probably, it's tough to be a business owner um, and have any sort of scale. I mean, if you want to just be a, a two or three-person shop and you're a control freak, fine. You know, that, that growth in terms of number of employees and revenues isn't for everybody. And, and some, you know, don't don't want that and that's fine. But, you know, if you, if you want to, you know, if you really do want to let go and you want to grow and you're going to have to trust other people to do things. And you just can't wait until the time when you really want out and then just go and bring somebody in from the outside and say, no, run this it's now. Never gonna work. It's not, it's not going to work. It's that same phrase, the perfection is the enemy of good. The businesses I know that never get past, yeah, they they can never grow past the lifestyle businesses is if you ask them enough questions, they're like, no, but it, they'll mess it up. No one will do it right sort of thing. And it's like, I don't, I mean, that's a sort of perfectionism thing. But the thing is, those people always make mistakes. Like, you know, no one is perfect. Well, I've, we've all made mistakes. I think everybody here. So, you know, it's a, a the, the distinction in my mind is, would they do it the way I did it? And if the answer is they would do it a different way, then I'm like, I don't care. You know, you can do it a different way than I would do it as long as it, as it works. And sometimes they will make mistakes and then that'll be an opportunity for them to hone a new skill, which is, okay, how do you recover from a mistake? Yeah. Which is a, a valuable life skill and business skill. Yeah, you don't learn till you mess anything up. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing. And actually we're struggling a little bit because we used to travel so much as a business because that was just so important even pre-COVID and 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 now, you know, we we did a New York trip and it was great and we met you and stuff, but we're sitting there thinking, well, where do we go next and what's the plan and why are we doing it? And you start, nowadays, you start to get a bit like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's sort of, but that was how we really, you would train someone. I mean, we've got trips coming up as you take them with a senior person because there's nothing like, them, you know, a week of boom, 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 boom meetings, you know, to sort of, you know, and also it was, a, you bond with that person, but also there was a senior person there so when that meeting was going a little bit wrong or they'd said something that you're just like, that's just not true. <laughs> you could steer, you know, and say, well, we'll get back to you on that point. Kick him out. I remember my dad, when I occasionally used to do meetings with him, I remember occasionally getting kicked under the table and my legs squeezed and you'd be like, oi, oh, right, yeah, sorry, shut up. <laughs> um, I'm now beginning to see why I was sent with you. <laughs> What's most misunderstood about what you do? Oh, I think for me, a lot of, people will think about, you know, they'll think technology, they'll think data, and it broadly is technology. But, you know, it's it's not as much around the nuts and bolts, I think, at its core. I mean, there are elements of every job that's like that, but it's really about, you know, the, the business intelligence and the insights. You know, how do you use all that to really drive better outcomes? And that could be in terms of company performance, you know, consumer you know, conversion, you know, healthcare outcomes. It could be a number of different things. And and that's really what it is. There's, it's highly creative actually, because a lot of people will come to us, our customers and say, I've got this problem. Nobody's been able to fix it out. And I've got a couple of ideas, but nobody's been able to really 
solve for how to do this. And that's where we get really creative and say, well, if we took this here and we found this over here and we're going to do it this way, you know, yeah, it's, that's it's very- as pro- That's why the, your, your staff like it. It's, it's quite complex problem solving, similar again to, to our, our jobs. Do you ever find the data leads to something else that it's like, well, they want to do this over here, but we found all this weird pocket of data over here that, you know, you could use. Is it, does it ever, or does it ever drive its own destiny, I guess? You it, know? It, it can go, sometimes it can go in a couple of different ways. You know, I think even what you just said in there highlights two different scenarios. Sometimes you'll see a, a pocket of data that is underutilized. And it's like, why are you collecting this? You don't do anything yes. with it. Here, what if you did this with it? And they're like, we never thought of doing that. And so that you can find, you know, new things to do in that in that data. And then sometimes, you know, you're analyzing the data that you expected to analyze, looking for the answer to the question you were expecting to answer, but the answer comes out differently than people thought it would. Yes. And, you know, it, it kind of- I bet imp- that happens a lot, actually. It, it, it can, yes, exactly. Sometimes you get confirmation, which is great, but sometimes Sometimes you get an intelligence like this is happening because of this. So if you want to change it, you have to change this thing you've been doing for yeah, yeah. five or ten years. And it's like, oh, we really don't want to do that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's that confirmation bias is part of that sort of psychological theory that um, that very clever guy. The um, he's Jewish. He wrote some very clever books. Anyway, he was a leader in it. But it's all part of that sort of architecture of how we trick how the brain tricks itself. So you give it any problem, and we will just find a pattern and a solution and say, well, it must be that over there. Right. Obviously. It's <laughs> that over there. But yeah, the, da- the data doesn't lie. What are you as a business trying to do about climate change? And so that's that's interesting. It's, it's something that every company, no matter how small, eventually has to deal with. So, you know, look at our company, Proximo, and we're, you know, we're 35 people or so, you know, we're 100% telecommuting. So we have a low footprint there. We don't produce- Working from home. Anything, sorry, we work from home. Yes, in English, tel- yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry, not in English, English, English. In, 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 in UK anyway. English, UK yes. English, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't produce, you know, goods like coffee mugs. So we, we're, we have a very low, you know, footprint. Our biggest footprint is probably what you would call like scope two or three emissions. I'm not terribly well versed, but through our data centers. Yes. You know, which yeah. are really Microsoft's data centers and stuff like that. So. Um, um, you know, so that's it. But we we can't ignore it though, because you know we have a lot of corporate customers, and all of them say, you know, this is we're rolling this out. Um, you you everybody's going to have to participate in this. So we're just initiated a, a Ecovadas reporting. That's a company that you know you put a lot of sustainability and information into, and it comes out with scores and in input. And that's something that we'll have to provide to our our customers. So while we have probably a minimal adverse you know, impact on the environment. We can't just say, well, that's that's not for us. That's for big companies or it's for manufacturers. It's 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 going to be for everybody. Can you can you influence your customers too in terms of there must be better data storage than others? I mean, Iceland, it's all renewable or whatever, you know. That that that, that type of thing about running the data center, that's uh, definitely yeah, uh, that's hardware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where no, the software? I don't know business, that stuff. But, yeah. You know, yeah. you, it, does it almost become does it almost become that your through your supplier almost thing that you could you you could say or by the because there must be someone who produces you must reports. Be choosing suppliers based. You, you, on you can nudge the behavior things. a bit and say, oh, by the way. 
where you are with the crappiest supplier, you know. We we could do things like, you know, if there was a data center in Iceland that, you know, was all geothermal heated and had a lower, you know, Just footprint plan. than other things. Well, it we, sounds like something that should exist. It does exist. It's it a huge data center place, Iceland, yeah, because they've got so much cheap energy. It's so much, right, geo, yes, I've seen the sulfur coming out of the ground there. It's, yeah. <laughs> they have a it's lot crazy. of natural energy, yes. So, yeah, you could do things like that, you know, but, uh, and then we can help advise, we can make those actions our, ourselves. You know, what our, our total impact on the planet will be probably would not be a whole heck of a lot better our size. It's also but you're getting a bit involved in things that, especially with big companies, are complete, you know, they want a problem solved. And then, you know, you have to be very careful about coming in with a... Did you listen to what I told you? You know, I don't <laughs> want to talk about data centers, but it just obviously data centers is, is one of the big phenomenas, isn't it? You know, that it's this huge energy... Draw. I, I saw a statistic you might even know. I think it's every person on the on average, every person on the planet, of course, because a lot are creating none, creates 1.2 megabytes a second, I think, of data. Yeah, it was 1.2 megabytes a second. And I was like, well, that's not possible, but I only need to I take believe- a couple of photos today. I mean, I know my Twitter feed right. is extensive. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> and you just think, Every photo goes God. up to the cloud. Everything yeah. that happens, right? All the logging from all the websites that you, you know, go through in the course of a day, all that is logged somewhere. Yeah. Yes, right. So it's it's a lot of data. What are you most looking forward to? What are you excited about for the business? I get excited. I feel like a little kid sometimes because I get excited about a lot of things. You know, I'm always- Christmas. <laughs> I know it's uh, that before that they've got Thanksgiving. Halloween. They? Halloween. We, have, we have Halloween and we have Thanksgiving. Yes, exactly. It's, it's a lot of holidays at the end of the year in the States. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, we always look for, you know, what comes next. I mean, one of the things I really love about, you know, what we do and, and what I do, kind of like I said before, we are at a point where we can like, you know, pick and choose and have influence on the types of, of jobs that we do. And so, you know, I'm always like a little bit of a kid in a candy store. You know, it's like, okay, you know, here's an idea and here's what one customer wants us to do and we can do this and this and this. And then I, you know, have to get my team along and I get to say, you do this now. Yeah, <laughs> please. But, you know, yeah, I think we'd never, no two days are the same for me, no two weeks are the same. And uh, and that really just kind of keeps me interested. So I'm always looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, whatever it happens to be. I guess that's part of being, it's sort of, you know, there's a lot of pressure on being an owner and, and being a CEO and stuff. But if you get bored easily... It's a good way not to be bored. You know, you're not going to be bored. There's I'm always going to be something. Yeah. No, no. Sometimes I could use being a little more bored. Yeah. <laughs> but it depends on the day. Oh, don't you sometimes <laughs> look at someone and they, they've got this really boring job and someone explains, well, you know, I have to take this and I put it over there and, you know, I have to do it for two weeks and you just think, oh, <laughs> that sounds so relaxing, you know? It's like, yeah, take... but it turns out to be mind-numbing. No. no. Yeah, you'd only want a couple of hours of it. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram.
And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What do you think your biggest mess up then was? You know, your biggest fuck up, as we would uh, politely say in this country, because we love a bit of language. I think, you know, along the way, there have been mistakes. Yes. And that's just, you know, like learning. So, if, you know, there's been a couple of ways we've learned to hire and not hire. So, the way you learn how to hire well is to hire poorly. There's been a couple of places in the, you know, in the past where we get so, I think I see this with a lot of small businesses, and we've been guilty of it like a couple of times throughout 25 years where we got so wrapped up in the new big client, you know, that you then, when that job eventually ends, you're sitting around going, what do we do right now? Quite common that businesses have one huge Huge client. And then the next year is like really, really bad. So I think we've we've fixed that. And that, that goes back to when I used to work in the business, the day-to-day delivery. Yeah. Because I would bring in the clients and then we would work collectively on that. And then no, there was no time to develop. So yeah. now we've got, I've spent all my time just, you know, courting new clients and developing and presentation so I can hand jobs off. And we're at the point where we, we shouldn't have a, a, a down year for that same reason again. So those are some of the big ones. Those are, that could put, you know, a, a small business out of business. Yeah. Where, and and out of, in the 25 years, at what point do you feel like you were like finally, like not looking over your shoulder, you know, maybe still half it as in, you know, you felt that, oh, okay, we've got somewhere now. Sort right. of thing. I think only, only this in the past couple of years, to be oh, honest. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Oh, right. how interesting. Right. We've made a lot of changes over the past couple of years, you know, all for the better. But um, I think that really, you know, has, uh, you know, has done a, a lot for us. You know, we've gotten to the, we've hired in the right people. We've redefined roles. We've put in new, you know, processes, uh, matured what we do. And I, I feel at this point, like, I feel pretty confident. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Only took 23, 24 years. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes at least 10. Mm-hmm. I don't oh. care what anyone says. And, what, and what's interesting is you, you obviously, the business has been doing okay nonetheless. You know, if it have been doing badly or whatever, then maybe something different. But also interesting, you must have fended off a few people trying to swallow you up or some, some sort of moments like that, you know? There were times early in our, our, our life, for the first five years, you know, that was the, the end, tail end of the dot-com boom. And right. there were a lot of, you know, companies that were going to be high-flying and this and that, and we're going to acquire you and do this and that. And no deal ever worked out quite right. And those are always the best things because I look at hindsight, I'm like, well, that company Thank went God. under. Yes, yes, it was. It was. To- it was totally. These were a good act of of, of God. Yes, we almost uh, makes you humble too to watch them all go into the dust. You right, know? right, exactly. And we're like, we're still here. So that's. Uh, th- there's been a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of that early. Nothing has happened too recently around all that, but the the it will be very different the next time any conversations like that have, but there are none on the horizon right I, now. I was in a hedge fund at the time <laughs> and my first job, well, no, that wasn't my first job, but anyway, let's not talk about that. My first We've got to do this job. on you at some point. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember my boss coming in and throwing lastminute.com, which is quite a famous uh, tourist operator to me and saying, wow, tell me about that. And it turned out this sort of moment was the beginning and the end and lastminute.com was the last big listing, basically. And I mean, the name in itself sort of cracks me up. You know, <laughs> nothing's as queer as life or whatever it is. You know, it's sort of the life paint. You, know, you couldn't write itself, could it? You know, and and that business actually of all, it was sort of like, oh God, this business has got no value and it was valued at 50 million and it was a website. But actually it, it carried on. It did, it did really well. So, you know, you never can tell. 
do you have a passion outside of the business? What do you get up to? I, music, tennis? Use, I do. I, I used to like, I still like music. I used to like music more. I used to go to a lot of concerts, but you know, that was, that was a long time ago when a much younger version of me. Yeah. I enjoy eating, um, cooking, um, and I have to say I'm a big nerd which kind of goes with the technology thing. So I, you know- Does that mean gadgets or just them? That means I, I, play, I like to play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to throw that out nerd. there. A proper oh, no, nerd. I Traditional like nerd. Not Back, even computer games. No, I, I like computer games, but I'm not a big uh, player. I prefer people. I'm a people person. I said that before. So I prefer, you know, uh, games that engage other humans and not, you know, little CGI people. Yes. What I, I've played those games a bit and I actually quite like them too. And because I mean, what I was found amazing it's like the power of the imagination even as an adult that you're basically dealing with this sort of board and these bits of and, and many-sided dice. Yeah, and it's all a bit like, but once you're in it, like you're in this world where it really is. Right. They throw it and your mind's like, they've killed me with the dragon spear. It's like, you can't believe it, but you know, we're all chill, still children inside, you know? It is nice because you're doing it with other people. Yes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I did basically lose a year and a half of my life to Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And like, yes. that yeah. was me alone in a room uh-huh. right. dodging like, outings because I didn't want to go out because I wanted to play, play the computer Breath in the game. My, yeah. right, my daughter played oh, that God, it's amazing. N- hundreds of hours just she amazing. put in on that. She can't wait for the next one. I can't wait. I will, <laughs> it's, like, it's been fucking five years and I cannot take it anymore. And every time they like update when it's coming out and it's always a couple of months further down the line than it was. It's, it's just a shame after you, you put all that time in, you know, someone the FBI MI5 doesn't turn up and say, congratulations, you passed our training, you know? And, like, and then you're like invited into this no, thing. No, but I you do. Know? I mean, last weekend, I haven't played it for ages and last weekend I just got it out and went and rode my horse around some places that I hadn't been for a while, <laughs> went for a swim, you know, just like, just chilled out. What's the worst advice you were ever given? Yeah. <sighs> Let's see. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I don't think I've received. I have, actually, I'm going to say now that I think back on this a little bit, I've I've got a good habit of surrounding myself with smart people. So I don't think I've received a lot of bad, outright bad advice over yeah. the years. What about good advice? Now that I've received plenty of. So yes, I've I've learned a lot about you know. I, th- I think in terms of business, since this is the Business Without Bullshit uh, uh, podcast, really like listening. That's the biggest, you know, piece of advice. And, you know, I think we all, especially we in professional services are often brought in, you know, to, uh, to for our expertise and to talk, but you really have to spend at least as much time, if not more, listening. And you, you learn all sorts of things about what the customer really wants, what they've, you know, what problems they've got, what success will really mean to them, which sometimes can be a little different than what they state on the paper. So uh, listening is is just key. You got to listen to the people that work for you, listen to customers, listen to other experts, listen to your colleagues, listen to your, your suppliers. Listening is the best, best thing. My fear of silence makes me a terrible interrupter. I'm terrible as well. And I'm I was really chatting bad. to this wonderful Jewish client the other day. He's so funny. Anyway, and he's like, he was saying, you're not Jewish? And I was like, no, no, I'm not Jewish. Everyone thinks you I'm Jewish. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of Jewish clients. Everyone thinks I'm Jewish. And then he was like, um, I was saying, oh, for this reason, that reason, I do accountancy or something. And then he was like, no, 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 you have, you you do the Jewish mutually assured interruption, apparently, <laughs> which is when they get together. But I wish on Zoom, especially because there's this time lag, that so the 
you need to leave longer silences. I need you to have a little green and red light for me. That's kind of like, it's red, not allowed to speak, not allowed to speak, let them finish. They've finished. Okay, don't panic. They've stopped talking, but that's okay. Don't panic. And then be like, <laughs> if they don't carry on talking and say that one thing, because if you let people talk, they, all, they almost always say something that's like, fuck, I didn't know that. I'm interrupting with an arrogance. Oh, I know where they're going with this. You know, blah, 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 blah. And I need the little light to stay red and then just go green. You know, they talk. <laughs> go. Go. Have you got any recommendations for what we should read or watch or listen to? Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I've read a number of books the past, well, actually earlier this year from the end of last year. And they were really about, you know, I, I try not to read too many business books because I think you can you need some downtime for your brain to not think about the business. And so, but that having been said, I, I think there's a few of them. And there was one really interesting one. It's, it's quite an old book, but I started reading that one last year and it's a quick read about predictable success. I was given that a long time ago and it's really about like the life cycle of, uh, of any business, no matter what business, what, no matter what industry, how big you are, but it, you know, from those early days when everything is fun to the time when you're in your death knell yeah. and you want to be at the top of the archway and how you kind of stay up there, a predictable success. Kind of like what we were talking about before. When, when do you feel like you don't have to worry about things so much? That's that, that's that category. And that was a fascinating book because you can see everything that you've ever done in your whole professional career right there on a small number of pages. And then, you know, other books about, you know, running professional services firms. Um, there's one about, I think it's literally called running a professional services firm. <laughs> well, at least it's literal. Like, you know, it's quite can't literal. Get that wrong. No, yeah. by no. two lawyers. No. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, there's that I would give. There would be a lot of things on that list. Really? <laughs> I think, yes, yeah. Because like I said, I think I, you know, I've always learned things kind of like when the the time was right. You know, I, it, I was, I got into the feel young. I got out of college a little early. I was working even before I was out of college. So I was like 20 years old and I was, you know, it, it, I was working in uh, retail banking programming. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, thrown in here, run this client when I went to my first professional services firm, which was Deloitte, you know, at the, at the, at the time. And, you know, I just kind of learned things on the fly. And, uh, and I think one of the things I would say is, you know, don't discount all of those things. They're not just a moment in time. There's all these lessons that you will pick up and learn. And then if I were to tell my younger self, just say, hey, you're going to start a business someday, you know, and it's not all about the technology. Yeah. <laughs> go and go and learn about all these other things like, you know, finance and, you know, things that I have higher accountants start, for. Start, <laughs> start, you would have started to try and encourage your younger self to start a business earlier, really. I, I was 27, so I couldn't have been much yeah, earlier, but I would have, there would have been a number of things that I I would have been better educated on going into it. Right. That would have been, you know, saved me a good 10 years. <laughs> but that's life. If you could do that with everything, you know, you wouldn't have to live. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. And we'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>